Everyone doing okay this morning? Awesome, awesome. Well, my wife and I have been in a good season with the babies and the kids. Recently, I've been trying this new thing out. I don't know if some of you parents have tried it before. Can we throw that picture on the screen? Something I've been trying to help us out in this season. I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook. It says, parenting got me like, and there's these lotions they have out there. Lotions that will help you sleep, stress relief, and energy. And so you just take all three of those and just lather yourself up. Any parents can witness to that? Amen. Amen. I think Micah, you, we saw that on your Facebook. I thought it was great. So, But uh, we feel like Zeke has finally kind of making his way. You can take that picture off. That was a picture of me last night. Allison caught it of me. But uh, we've been, uh, Zeke's kind of been making his way through the night, and uh, so that's good. Um, NBA basketball starts in you know, two weeks, so that's good also. So this, the, the tide is turning. The tide is turning. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, I'm, I'm glad to be able to share with you guys. I've really been wrestling with the Lord this week um, on what he wants to say. And I believe he's uh, just been speaking to me, so I just want to be faithful to, uh, to share his word uh, with us. <clears throat> the title of the message today is Jesus' Desire for the Church. Jesus' Desire for the Local Church. And so I know his desire for the nation, the church globally, but I want to help maybe focus up, give us some sharp vision for here locally what the Lord wants to do. You know, as Jeremiah has made his transition, us as an eldership team, we've been really pleased with how everything has been going. Um, we celebrate Jeremiah. We stand by every word he said a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> and also, we are very excited for the future of Heart of the Father ministry. I've been looking at Ephesians 1 and just meditating on the Lord saying uh, that we have a spirit of wisdom and revelation the eyes of our heart being enlightened, that you would know the hope of his calling and that the Father has a calling on this church. It is his calling. It's not mine. It's not Barry's. It's not Dave's. It's not Jeremiah's. It's his calling on this church, and the Father has hope for us. He has hope for you. I, I catch myself sometimes reminiscing in the past, you know, when I, you know, was a young adult and didn't have much responsibilities and I could just spend all day in the presence of the Lord. Like, Lord, those were the good old days. And I'm looking at Ephesians 1 and he's saying, Brandon, what about the hope of my calling? There's hope for your future. There, there should be expectation in your heart. And so I've been thinking about that for our, our, our community and I know the Father has much, much more for us. And as an eldership team, we are committed to what the Lord wants to do here. We're committed to this spiritual family. We love you guys. We're here to serve. We're here to be a blessing. Uh, but I want to declare to you boldly, the Lord has more for us. And it's going to be our mission to tap in, to step into all of those things. Can I get an amen? Amen. So as I've been thinking about our community, Father, what are you doing? What are you saying? I can't help but find in Scripture that the Father looks at his son Jesus, and Jesus in his heart, he has a desire, he has a mission, he has vision for the local church. 
And then I think about, well, Lord, I think we should do this. I, you know, I have a, des- a desire to reach the lost, or maybe we should pray more, or maybe we should, uh, more discipleship, more this, more that. You know, I have some general thoughts and ideas about what we can begin to do. But I was reminded in Isaiah 55, it says this, verses 8 and 9, my, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we could go around the room today and everyone, hey, tell me your thoughts on Heart of the Father and ministry. What should we do? And we could get 300 ideas. And then the Lord says, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, your ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts. So we have to humble ourselves under the Lord, humble ourselves under his ways, under his thoughts, that Jesus has something for us, and he's taking us on a journey. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you want to do in this community, Lord. We thank you for your ways. God, we thank you for your thoughts. And Father, as a son to you and as a friend of the bridegroom, would you help me to speak your word? Would you help me to declare your thoughts, to declare your ways? Father, I pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Open up to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, I just, I, I sense this whole week the Lord just wants us all as a community to take our walls down and let him do what he wants to do in this family, in this spiritual community. And as I'm searching, you know, Jesus says he will build his church, that he will have his way in his body. And the Lord leads me to Ephesians 5. Talking about marriage, a husband and a wife, and Christ and the church. Let's look at verse 27. It says that he, Jesus, might present, to, uh, might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Go to verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. I jump back up to 26, verse 26. And he says that Jesus might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So we see here Jesus has a relationship with the church. He has, he puts his hand to work with the local church, the local body. And his goal is found in verse 27 that he might present her to himself a glorious church. What would it look like if that was our mission statement here at Heart of the Father? 
If we put on the, on the wall here a, a mission statement, a vision statement, as you came in, and it said, we exist so that Jesus would present us to himself a glorious church. I mean, it's crazy. You go down, you ride down the street, and you see all these churches, and there's, so, there's vision, you know, mission, here's our mission, and here's our vision, and there's all these things, reaching the lost, you know, discipleship, prayer, all those things are great. They are definitely a part of the dynamic for sure. But it almost seems odd if we were to say, our mission here is to let Jesus come, have his way, to remove spots, to remove wrinkles, to remove blemishes, that we would be holy, that he would make us glorious. John 17, 22, Jesus says, Father, the glory that you have given me, I've given to them that they may be one. Have you ever thought that would be his mission for us? Because we can get the to-do list out. You know, we're going to do these 10 things, and that's what we're going to reach for. And we totally miss Isaiah 55. Your thoughts are higher than mine. Your ways are higher than mine. And this is his way. Welcome to Heart of the Father ministry where Jesus is making us ready to meet him. Does that sound, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that's biblical, but you really don't see that around a community. But that's what the Lord wants to do here. You know, because assignments will change. Functions and, and different types of ministries, they'll kind of come and go, they'll ebb and flow. Right now, the issue of abortion, you know, we're, we're really going after that. And the next assignment could be the issue of racism and, you know, reaching the law. Those things kind of come and go. You keep your hand on it. But this right here, what the Lord wants to do in a local church, it does not change. He's been doing this for well over 2,000 years, trying to get a people together as one that would be holy, that would be glorious. And then I was reading Revelation 19, verse 7, and it says this. It says, For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. So we see on one end, Jesus comes to his church, and he is making her ready. He is making her glorious and holy. He's removing spots, wrinkles, and blemishes. And then on the other hand, the wedding of the Lamb has come, for his bride has made herself ready. Do you see it? Jesus as, is making us ready as a spiritual family. And then here we are, we're actually making ourselves ready to meet him. Again, if that is, say that's one of our mission statements, one of our vision statements here. People would drive past and think, who are those? That's so weird. What are they talking about? That we would make ourselves ready for him. There's a couple passages of scripture in Matthew 24, the parable of the wedding feast. I would encourage you to read that. It says this. We'll read some of it here. Jesus, he spoke to them a parable and says, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. He sent out servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. So he sent out other servants to invite others to come. And he says, I've prepared a dinner, an oxen, fat and cattle are killed, all things are ready, come to the wedding. But it says this, but they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And it goes on to say, then he sent servants, then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. And then in Luke 21, listen to this language here. It says, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all of those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I find it interesting that both of these passages are talking about the Lord is coming, and some will not be worthy to meet with him. And it's not because Jesus didn't do his part. It's actually because they did not make themselves ready. Are you hearing me? Jesus is coming. He's preparing his bride. He's making her glorious and holy. And then here we are. We're supposed to be making ourselves ready to meet with him. But some will not meet with him because they have not made themselves ready. And so there's personal responsibility on us as a spiritual family in a community under the name of Jesus to make ourselves ready. <clears throat> if you're new here to Heart of the Father, I think you're going to begin to tap into this. That we are a community, we are a family where we want to help make you ready to meet the Lord. Some people say, man, it's really hard here at Heart of the Father. I feel the tent every time I come. There's tension. They're always talking about wrestling. They're always challenging, challenging me. There's that hard language. But here's our, here's our heart. This is what we want to communicate to you, that Jesus, he's making you ready. But are you making yourself ready? And so this, this is the vein I want to uh, speak in today about us as a spiritual family making ourselves ready to meet the Lord. So the question that we would ask is, okay, so as a local community, as a, as a spiritual family here, how do we begin to make ourselves ready? What's next? Tell me. I want to be ready for the Lord. I want us all to be ready. You know, if I'm sitting at a dinner table and one of my kids, they're missing, what do you think I would do? Go find them. So as a community, we want everyone to be involved here. We want everyone to be ready for the Lord. And so flip over to a previous chapter, Ephesians 4.
Ephesians 4. The Lord is going to show us how do we as a local church, body believers, make ourselves ready. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 10, says, He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave, and he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping or the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the full stature, or to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head from the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So did you catch anything there? I see two things, two ways the Lord will help make this body ready for him. The first one is found in verse 11. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There are Leaders, I believe, as an eldership team, and there are other fivefold ministers here in our body that you have been called here to help prepare this community to meet with the Lord. According to this passage, Jesus believes it will take the help of the fivefold ministry who are a part of the body to help make the body ready to meet Him. Here at Heart of the Father, we believe it is absolutely necessary and healthy for our body to receive from all of these ministries. I love sports. Played basketball growing up. It would be the weirdest thing to see a team full of point guards. Now, I was a point guard myself. But think about it. Starting at guard, 6'2", so-and-so. Starting at small forward, 6-2, so-and-so. Starting at forward, 6-2, etc. If we were all point guards here, or what about a team that was just full of sinners, full of big guys? They would not last the whole game at all, for sure. The way I look at Ephesians 4.11, it says that he gave some to be point guards, some to be shooting guards, some to be small forwards, some to be forwards, some to be centers. Not sinners, centers. Come on. But the Lord, he, is, he's, he loves to equip the church with the fivefold ministry. So when you come and, you know, you say, oh, well, man, I don't really like Brandon's preaching. I don't like that he's preaching. Uh, well, guess what? I won't be the only one up here. There will be other elders, other leaders who will preach and teach. And they will preach and teach under the grace that has been given to them. 
Is that okay? Really? Because it's, it's, it's funny, because some people will come here and we'll tell them, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so's preaching, and they're just kind of like, well, I was, ex- I was expecting maybe Jeremiah to preach. That's okay. But we believe here that there is more than one anointed and appointed person. There is a leadership team who is ready to pour into our body. And Jesus actually believes this. This is healthy for us. So if you're kind of new here, don't think we're trying to start an occult and try something different here. We believe this is biblical, that the, the Lord has released this to the body. And this will help prepare you to meet the Lord. But I wanted to give a couple characteristics, just three characteristics, there's more than that, but three characteristics of those who feel called as a fivefold minister in this body. Number one is this, and these three, to me, I, I guess I would say these are really, really important to me. Number one is that they dwell among the body. Okay, let me read some scripture here. First Peter 5, he says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Acts 20, Paul says, You know in what manner I always lived among you. First Thessalonians 2, But we were gentle among you. You are witnesses in God also how we behaved ourselves among you. So if you look in this room, there are going to be fivefold ministers that just look like you, kind of talk like you, kind of act like you. They're going to be normal people who have been given a grace and anointing from God. They're actually going to live among you. It doesn't say, shepherd the flock of God which is under you. Does your version say that? Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. So leaders who actually have people over to their house. That you can come over and have a meal with my wife and I. I, I we had a leader tell us one time, he said, uh, he's like, you know, Brother Brandon, this was years ago, he said, Brother Brandon, I just, you know, you need to keep your house and your home to yourself and just, you know, don't, don't get into inviting people over. That's, that's your home, that's your space. But I was just listening to him and, but when you read the Bible and you look at the heart of Christ, that doesn't sound right. But we believe here, as a local church, you are going to see ministers who will be among us. Not over us. Not trying to use authority over you that the Lord hasn't given them. But they will be among us. The second thing, they will possess a heart to shepherd the people. If you look at the life of Christ, he reveals from his lips, he reveals himself concerning the fivefold ministry in one way. He says, I am the great shepherd. Coming from his lips. Now, the disciples and some of the other people during that time would say, you're a great teacher, and he would affirm that. 
Hebrews, it says he's the apostle and high priest. And we, we know he, so we know he is the apostle. He is the evangelist. He is the pastor. He is the teacher. He's, he's the fivefold ministry. But Jesus, for some reason, he wants you to hear from his mouth, I am the great shepherd. Here's what Chris Johnson has to say in his book called The Fullness of Ministry. He says this, No ministry is exempted from shepherding the flock of God, from lambs to mature sheep. No ministry can say, that's not part of my responsibility before the Lord Jesus. Whoever taught or thought the idea that shepherding is only for pastors or shepherds neither understands Jesus himself nor what true shepherds actually are and do. Whoever came up with the idea that prophets can't shepherd ought to substitute the words won't shepherd. Whoever proposed the theory that apostles cannot be fellow local shepherds on a team of plural elders and overseers should reconsider 1 Peter 5. The one common thread that is woven into all fivefold of all of the fivefold ministries is shepherding. So as an eldership team, if they don't, if we don't sense in their heart a desire to shepherd and to love the local church and community, that would be hard for me to say, oh, come on in. They should have a grace to shepherd. Think about it. They've been sent from the Lord Jesus to do to where? The body. So for, Lee, it's just, for me, it's just so goofy to see leaders who just like want to be like, cut me off from the people. And it's like, well, hold on. You've been sent from the Lord for the equipping of the saints. Like you've been sent into the body. The third thing that I believe fivefold ministers will do is that they will connect you with the head, Jesus. They will connect you to Jesus. They will love and appreciate and value relationship with you, but they will not fall in love with your dependency on them. So I love you. I want relationship with you as an eldership team. We want relationship with you. Leaders in this body, we want relationship. We do. But we don't want all of your dependence. We don't want you just, oh, I have to lean on you all the time. Now, I get it. Some of us are in different stages where you do. You need to lean and you need to depend on someone for some help and walking you through some things. Yes, we welcome that. But can I tell you, you can't stay there. You can't stay there. As leaders, we've been called to help equip you. If you say, I need Brandon, give me your sword, give me your shield. We've been called to do that. In Acts 20, is that the rain? Come, Lord. Yes. In Acts 20, this is a warning when I, maybe a couple years ago, the Lord warned me with this. Paul says it in Acts 20. He talks about how there are going to be wolves that will come from out there to try to 
take over the flock, try to hurt the flock. But also he says there will be wolves who will rise up from among you, from within here. And here's what they're going to do. Here's their main goal and purpose, to draw away disciples to themselves. They will come and try to draw you and all of your attention to themselves. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and just open my heart to you guys and be vulnerable. So <clears throat> this was, yeah, a couple years ago when the Lord spoke this verse to me. It was during a time here on Wednesday nights when we had the Bible studies. And so we had a group in here, and I had a group in there. I think we just had the two groups, just Barry and I. And this, this attitude in my heart rose up. And it's, my, my heart said this, man, like, everyone's going to Barry's group. <laughs> I know you guys would never talk about, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but in my, heart, in my heart it said that, man, everyone's going to his group. And I started thinking, like, well, what can I do to, like, get them in vine? <laughs> I didn't tell Barry this telling them now. <laughs> but the Lord led me to Acts 20. He says, Brandon, you're doing what a wolf would do, where you are trying to draw away the people to yourself. It's like, Brandon, it shouldn't matter who comes to your group, if it's one or it's a hundred. shouldn't matter. I did not send you to the body to draw away disciples to yourself. So if I make a post on Facebook and no one likes it and no one comments, I'm blessed. So they will be friend, they will be friends of the bridegroom. They will say, He must increase. I must decrease. We're going to make it about Jesus. As a leadership team here, we're going to make it about Jesus. Awesome. I'm just going to throw this out there too. Just because you may not make posts on Facebook doesn't mean you're not a bold Christian for the Lord. Can I just throw it out there? I don't make any, I don't really make posts on Facebook. Doesn't mean I don't love the Lord. I'm not bold. I'm not courageous. And then just because you may make a post on Facebook, it doesn't mean you're making a really big impact. Seriously. I mean, I can't think of the last time I read someone's post and just like fell out in the spirit and just had the, the craziest encounter. I mean, there's definitely some people who post some good stuff out there for sure. Derek Kirkman is one of those guys. I love it. I love it. But I just want to help maybe just like relieve pressure off of some of you. Relieving it off of myself. That this, the whole Facebook world, it's okay if you don't post on there. All right. That wasn't part of the message, but anyways. 
So one of the ways the Lord makes the body ready is that he has sent and equipped us with five-fold ministers. Would you guys agree with that? That's in the passage. That's what he does. He gave his body ministers to help equip. Okay? Did you see what, what the other one was? Making the body ready. It's in verse 16. It says, From the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So the way the body makes herself ready is that she edifies herself. And there's two key phrases in that verse. Every joint supplies and every part does its share. Another way to say is every person supplies, every person does his or her share. That will always, people will always feel tension in this ministry with that. I don't want it to always be, I wish it wouldn't always be that way, but that's going to be a tension here that we are going to transfer the ministry to you. That you have an anointing. That you have a grace. That you have a place in this body. And we want to invite you to step into it. Even as, you know, during worship, we, we open it up to, hey, someone needs healing. Pray for them. As believers, we can actually pray for each other as we gather together. Every time you put forth your supply and every time you do your share, you are contributing to the building up of the body and making her ready to meet him. A victorious church is going to be one where each and every member of the body is functioning in the anointing, grace, and calling that God has given them. So if you're waiting for the leaders to do something special, to like, you know, pull out the trick to let's make revival come, we don't have any tricks. I don't have any tricks, guys. I don't. But I'm going to look at you and say, well, what's your supply? What, 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 who have you been encouraging? Who have you been speaking life into? And can I, can I throw this out there too? That we want all the gifts, we want all the ministries functioning in this body, but it is really challenging to do that within two hours on a Sunday. You know there's 168 hours in a week and that the Lord is just not looking to move in just two hours? Can I free you up to invite people to your home for a meal? Take someone to lunch. Give someone a phone call. Type someone an email. Text them. Younger people, Snapchat, you know, Instagram, you know, whatever. Use those things to encourage one another. Each time you do that, you're actually building up the body. You're helping to make her ready to meet the Lord. Last Sunday, uh, Becca Stayskull, she brought me two little pieces of um, red velvet cake. For, what, for whatever reason, that blessed my heart. I was so encouraged by that. I don't know why, but I was like, what the heck? Like, she was thinking about me, and that encouraged me. 
Some of you may say, well, Brent, that's kind of stupid or dumb. No, no, it matters. My brother would always tell me in coaching basketball, little things make big things happen. We're just always looking for the biggest thing to happen that we actually don't do anything. We have such a big vision for all these things that we actually never do anything and get anything done. We need sharp vision. I've been asking the Lord, Lord, what are my assignments? I mean, I love, praise God for your assignments. Lord, what are mine? Because I want to do them. But what I get caught doing is just watching everyone else and they're, oh, that assignment there, oh, that assignment there, wow. They're doing all these things and, well, I guess I'll just do all those too. And we get sucked into this cycle where we're doing all of these things but never really doing anything. But as a leadership team, we invite your gift, your grace, the anointing on your life to function in this body. I just want to say that. Jeremiah was telling me this past week, he had a talk with Lauren Sanford, one of his mentors, and Lauren said, hey, Jeremiah, if I were you, I wouldn't label your church as a prophetic church. Jeremiah's like, well, why? He's like, because then if anyone is not prophetic, they won't come. It's like, oh, that's a good point. And so can I just say, if you are not prophetic, we welcome you. If you don't have a prophetic bone in your body, you're welcome here. We love the prophetic ministry. It has impacted my life more than anything here at this community, for sure. It has. But if you don't have that gift, you're welcome here. The Lord can use you here. I, I, mean, I love the story with Maggie DeSmith out at the abortion clinic and, and helping the whole story with Kendra. and Maggie didn't have like this prophetic word. She just wanted to love this person. That was it. That was it. The, the last time I read it this past weekend, prophecy is for edification, encouragement, and comfort. I, I want to see that in our body again. I was talking to Jeremiah about that this past week. It's like, I want to see that in our body again. I feel like we've lost, just being honest with you, I feel like we've lost some of that edge. Just prophecy as encouragement, edification, and comfort. Can we leave the whole, like, national prophetic words? Let's just leave that to Jeremiah. Okay, maybe I shouldn't go. I don't think you guys like that one. <laughs> but seriously, can we as a local church, the gift of prophecy, encouragement, edification, and comfort? It's all it is. You don't have to prophesy, you know, their marriage or they're going to marry so-and-so or, you know, the dates, mates, and babies. You don't have to prophesy all that stuff. It could just be edification, comfort to one another. Doyle Bradford said this. He was here earlier this year. He said, I fully believe the Lord wants to double this place, but the model for multiplication is to transfer ministry to others. Jesus showed us how New Testament ministry functions when he multiplied the loaves and fishes. 
He gave us a picture of how the church is supposed to operate. Jesus blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the people. That's how multiplication comes. He transferred ministry to them. He, he's not the one that did the ministry. He blessed it, and he broke it, and then he said, now go and take care of the people. That's the natural DNA of the church. To raise up sons and daughters, not so that you can say you have sons and daughters, but to bring them to maturity and release them and cause them to function what they were called to do. I think that if in the church, the church leaves the work of the ministry up to the leadership, we will only have addition. Five plus five equals ten. It'll take a very long time to get to where the Lord wants us to go. But if the body participates in the ministry, we will begin to experience multiplication. Five times five is 25. We can, we'll do the five plus, plus five, whatever the Lord wants to do as a leadership team. We're going to go for it. But if you want to see things multiply, be free. Be free as a, as a body. Be free in the name of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. Hebrews 1, 13. Encourage one another daily. So you have a part to play in making this body ready to meet the Lord. It's important. There's nothing more frustrating than being a part of a team. When I played basketball, I'm out there giving it everything I have, and then one of the guys is just kind of chilling. <laughs> like, I'm sprinting back to get on defense. I'm, I'm hustling, and it's three on one, and I'm like, where did my teammates at? Oh, they're just standing back there. Really? I remember this one time when I was playing, I, this guy, he did that. I don't think I was saved at the time, but, <laughs> but I, this was one of the one times where I, I usually don't get really angry. <clears throat> if you've been around me, I'm kind of a calm, just more relaxed, maybe more peaceful guy. But this one, this one guy on my team, he made me so angry. He was, he was so lazy. He was so gifted and talented, but he was so lazy. Oh, he's so lazy. Wouldn't play defense, but he wanted to shoot the ball. Just lightly jog down court. Here I am, like, diving on the floor, taking charges, doing everything I'm supposed to do. And I look at, we end up losing the game, and I just go, I just start. I, was, I don't think I cussed at him, but I just went in on this guy. And I'm I just like, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. Go home. If you don't want to be a part of this team and contribute, leave. Because it's like, it's like poison. Everyone else, oh, yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not running. He's not hustling. Why am I going to hustle? And everyone else just kind of just falls into that trap. Every joint must supply. What is your supply? Are you putting your supply in? 
It doesn't have to look like up here or in a two-hour service. You have the whole week to put forth your supply. But a part of putting in a supply, you actually have to learn how to get supply. So there's two secrets that will help you put in your supply that I'm going to share. There's, there's more than two, but I'm just going to share two secrets. Two secrets to help you put in your supply. Number one, get your own supply. Ta-da! There's, there's, there, I mean, I'm, oh gosh, I could just, there's no, like, secret to the, the Christian walk. There's no, like, I don't have a secret. I don't have, like, in Space Jam, I don't have the secret juice. Or if I did, it's just water. I mean, you guys seen Space Jam. They told them, like, hey, the secret juice. And they drink in. They start getting crazy, and they realize it was just water. It wasn't anything special. Time with Jesus. Time with Jesus. That is how you get your supply. Time with Jesus. I've been talking with Marie, and she's just like, man, Brandon, we just need to sit with the Lord and just be quiet. And I'm like, Marie, yes. I'm just going to sit with the Lord and be quiet. Just love him. Let him love me. Whatever happens in that time happens. It could be three minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. Get your supply with the Lord. Jesus says in Matthew 6, he's like, but when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. According to that passage, where does Jesus say the Father is at? In the secret place. If you want to meet with God, Jesus tells you specifically, you go in that little room over there and shut the door, that's where the Father's at. He's not out here and just, you know, drive down the road. He's not all out there. Jesus said the Father is in the secret place. So, I mean, I read that and I'm like, hold on. So every time I go to my secret place, the first thing on my mind is that the Father's in there. He's in there. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall bide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Father's shadow is in that room. Seriously, when you think about spending time with God, you think about your secret place, and I would encourage you to get a real place. Like I have our, our spare bedroom, but Zeke's in there right now, so I've got to use our bedroom next to the, next to the bed. Anyways, but I, you think I get a real place, and like anytime I go in there, I'm like, the Father is in there. His shadow is in there. And I'm encouraged. Because when I go in there and say I don't experience anything, I can just, you know what, Lord, it's just your shadow. Like, it's not even you. So it's okay that I didn't really have this bomb explosion in there. It's just your shadow. But then I can say, Lord, in the, in the good times in the secret place, I'll say, Lord, this was only your shadow. Like, you came in this room, and you spoke to me, and I heard you. I felt your presence, and it was only your shadow. How much more? So I'm encouraged when I don't experience anything. I'm encouraged when I do. 
But Jesus told us, your father is in the secret place. Go in there, get your supply. Meet with him. Speak with him. The second thing, <clears throat> man, I, I really want to help us today. The second thing, go to 2 Corinthians 10. I want to help. I shared this with the young, I spoke with the young adults maybe, I don't know, a couple months ago. I shared this with them. I, I always feel this for us. The Lord has dealt with me on this as well. 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to look at verse 13. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 10, verse 13. Paul says, We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. For we are not overextending ourselves, as though our authority did not, did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure. What is Paul saying here? Paul as an apostle of Jesus Christ, who wrote nearly all of the New Testament, established churches, this guy is awesome. He is saying, I have limitations. I have limitations. I think for you, in order for you to help mature and get this body ready, one, you get your own supply. And two, you have to understand you have limitations. You can't do everything. You're not the five-fold ministry embodied in one person. I praise the Lord. Someone comes into the office and your staff's in there and someone wants a prophetic word. I'm going to look at Raul. Come on, man. Jump in here with me. You have to learn to embrace the limitations on your life. You do. If you don't embrace the limitations on your life, burnout, you'll be frustrated, you'll be angry. He says in verse 14, we are not overextending ourselves. Some of us are like so tired in the Lord because you're, you're overextending yourselves. Personally, that's, that's why I stay away from the Facebook stuff. I will begin to overextend myself. I don't want to do that. I'd rather meet with you, call you on the phone, talk, message you, get in your business, get in your world. I do not want to overextend myself. <clears throat> and I feel that is key for you in order for you to put in your supply. Because sometimes we have a lot of supply and sometimes we don't. But if you learn to embrace the limitations on your life, you will, can, you will begin to have a steady flow of outpouring in your life versus the, the ups and downs, the highs and lows. <clears throat> in Acts 16, it says this. It says, talking about Paul, it says, uh, him and one of the disciples, it says, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Paul, as an apostle, the Lord said, you are not to go there. 
There are limitations on your ministry. And Paul was going there to preach the word. He was, he was wanting to preach the gospel, not just to hang out and make a visit. He wanted to do the work of the Lord. And the Lord said, no, you have limits. Embrace them. Stay in your lane. Find your lane and stay in it. So do you know the limits on your life? I know this is kind of weird because usually, you know, we can do, we can, you know, we can do all things through Christ and, you know, just do whatever you want with your life. And, you know, I remember that st- the story uh, Barry told about one of his sons, you know, he w- played basketball and Barry's like, hey, son, like, you know, you're a good player in this neighborhood, but if you go out there, you know, to the NBA or whatever, like, you wouldn't cut it. And I was like, man, that seemed kind of harsh, but I'm like, no, that's true. My brother one time, he asked me, he said, Brandon, um, why didn't you go to the NBA? Because I had talked to some scouts and, you know, had an NBA player or NBA scout watch me play one time. And he asked me, why didn't you go to the NBA? And I said, well, I wasn't good enough. That was me embracing the limitations on my life. And so I look at my life, the limitations on me include ministry to my family, my wife and my kids, ministry to my extended family, ministry to this body, and ministry to the city of Lakeland. There it is. We, we, I had to get delivered of this idea, Lord, you're going to send me all over the world and I'm going to do all these things and all that, that. And then I wasn't doing those, and so then I step into this, man, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm not doing what God wants me to do. I'm not, like, as big as I should be. I'm not, gosh, I'm not like Jeremiah, so, like, oh, man, I'm a failure. I mean, really. <laughs> I, there was a day in my office I was doing that. And I'm like, hold on, Lord, if you wanted me to travel, I would be doing that. But you don't want me to, so I'm not doing that. There is a limitation, and I've learned to embrace it, and I'm okay with that. So if I never get invited anywhere, praise the Lord. I'm staying in my lane. Do you want that for your life? We have to get delivered of this big life in Christ. We're going to do like a bazillion things. I'm here to tell you, no, you have limits. Allison and I have been wrestling with that, having our second child. We can't be at every meeting here. I mean, when I was a young adult, like, I was at everything. Like, what the heck? I mean, I'm in the presence all day, every day, 24-7. And then I got married, and I'm like, Alice was like, do the dishes. I'm like, I'm I'm praying right now. (laughs) And then we have kids. Brandon, uh, Josie needs a diaper change. I'm praying right now. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but I would get up and change a diaper. But inwardly, I got, like, frustrated. Like, man. But we're, we're learning. The limitations have changed. The grace on my life and, and our family looks different. I've been recently just been reaching out to young families Transitioning into having kids, 
It is a challenge. The grace on your life looks different. It's not the same. And you, you catch, I catch myself reminiscing about back then. And I'm like, no, Lord, I want the hope of your calling. So for you, what is it? Why aren't you embracing the limitation on your life? Why aren't you just walking the road the Lord wants you to walk? Why are we getting caught up in everyone else's stuff? But if you learn to embrace your limit, you will contribute to this body the way, in a way that pleases the Lord. It could be like Becca Stasco bringing me a piece of cake. Whatever he's telling you to do, just do it. Get over the, oh, it's too small. It's not important enough. It's not big enough. Embrace it. Here's what uh, Jeremiah said. I was listening to a teaching of his. He said this, Accepting our anointing requires a great measure of obedience. Learning how to live within the limitations of our anointing requires an even greater level of obedience. Accepting our anointing requires a great measure of obedience. Learning how to live within the limitations of our anointing requires an even greater level of obedience. I don't know where my wife just went, but Miss Miss Lisa, I wanted us to uh, sing a song. Did she tell you the? Okay, I wanted us to sing a song, a hymn together. Be thou my vision. Because we as a body, we want the Lord's vision. We want his mission. And then as you, as an individual in Christ, you, I know you want his vision. You want his mission. And it may not be as detailed as you want. But he will release grace to you. I think for some of us, he's just saying, start right where you're at. Quit waiting for this big prophetic dream and where you got three assignments the Lord told you in a dream. What's the word say to do? Just begin to do that. So I don't really have an altar call today, but I have a homework assignment for you. Is that all right? Here's what I want you to think about this week. And Here's what I want you to ask the Lord this week. This is your assignment. Lord, how can I help make this body ready to meet you? Lord, what can I do? How can I contribute to the local church, to the local body of believers? How can I help contribute to make them ready? Because Jesus, he's doing his part. We don't need to worry about him. He's doing it. He is building his church. He's making her glorious and holy. He's removing spot, wrinkle, and blemish. But then we have our part. Are we making ourselves ready by building up the body? If you're a fivefold minister in here, are you equipping the body? So can we stand? We're going to sing this song and. We can dismiss shortly here.